0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. We've got a copy of the Word. Open it up to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We're going to look at three verses together today verses 1, 2, and 3, right at the beginning of this great chapter in the Word of God. We've been talking together about joyful living for some time. Joy being that happy state of being that springs forth from a A right relationship with God. I'm going to read that again. Joy is that happy state of being that springs from a right relationship with God. And even in spite, yea, even in the midst of great trials and tribulations, joy is truly the option of the believer. It is there for us. We can choose to live in joy. We know it's God's intention. And we know it's our decision today whether we will embrace the things of life with joy or not. There's four secrets in this book, keys, if you will, in this little epistle that correspond with the chapters. Chapter 1 taught us that we must have Christ as our source. That's our first secret to depend upon him to meet our every need and be our everything in our lives. Chapter 2 taught us that we must have Christ as our single mind. He says, let this mind be in you, the one that was in Christ Jesus, that lowly, humble, servant-oriented mind. And if you want to see a joyful person, look for that person who's serving, and you'll find that they're joyful on every hand's turn. Chapter 3 taught us that we must have Christ as our spiritual pursuit. Paul said, oh, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. He's saying, man, I pursue him every morning. And when he becomes your spiritual pursuit, that thing that you're after more than anything, joy begins to hallmark your life and your experience. I submit to you that you're pursuing something today. Is it the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Chapter 4 teaches us also that we must have Christ as our strength. Last week, I, I skinned out 413, a very famous verse. It says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Man, what a bold statement. I can do all things. A broad statement. I can do anything and everything, not some things or many things, but I can do all things. What a base statement. It's based on Christ who strengtheneth me. That word strengtheneth, i remind you, means this, infuses me with and in his strength and power like a fresh brewed batch of sweet iced tea. How many of y'all have ever gone in a restaurant and drawed you off a draw of sweet iced tea thinking it was fresh brewed only to find when you get to the table, it was that Lipton stuff. I mean, y'all know why? Hey, hey, I don't like it when they fool me like that. They put it in that carafe, making it look like they've brewed it fresh. But in reality, there's just a line running in the back of that thing from somewhere in the back. Brother, I want the fresh brewed iced tea if I'm going to drink it, beloved. Why do we want that? Because that hot water gets inside that tea and infuses. That tea's infused into that water, and it makes something glorious and wonderful. Well, beloved, when we are in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit comes over us, he steeps us just like that. And what comes out of it is the strength of God working in and through us. It yields something very beautiful in our life. Now, his strength comes, beloved, for a purpose. You need to mark that down. It always does comes for a purpose. I'm going to show you the first of these today. I believe, first of all, Christ strengthens us or strengthens me, if you want to make it personal, to live peacefully. I believe the strength of Christ comes into my life, first of all, so that I can live what I call peacefully. You know, as Christians, we have that opportunity. And Paul exhorts us here to peace in these three verses. Let's read them together. He says, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, I love his language and longed for, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved, the second time he calls them that, verse 2, I beseech you, Odias and Centica that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, I believe Epaphroditus is who he's talking about, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other, with other my fellow laborers, whose names, what a statement, are in the book of life. You know, as Christians today, we have, listen, you ought to write this down. What a great truth. If you forget the rest of what I say to you today, you need to leave here remembering this. As Christians today, we have peace with God. We live at peace with God today. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad today that I don't have to live at odds with God, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, And placing my faith in that today, I can live at peace with God. I wrote this down, hallelujah, God isn't mad at me anymore. How many of y'all are thankful for that? I'm glad today that I don't look up into his face and see anger and a clenched vision towards me. I'm glad when I look up, I see a God who loves me and who's at peace with me. Listen, as a young man, I look back in my life, I did so many things that drove my mom and daddy batty, man. There were so many things and so many decisions I made that made them downright upset and furious and disappointed. I remember on one occasion I did something and I, I, after I had taken my, my castigation, which was right deserved for it i went up to my room and i thought man my mom and daddy hate my guts they're never gonna feed me again they must just hate me man they'll probably put me in somebody else's house after what i've done i sat there for a long time and contemplated my new relationship with my mom and dad i never will forget a knock came at the door and it was my dad and he said son i want you to know that i love you and i said dad You mean to tell me that you love me, that you know me? He said, son, I love you. And what a relief to know that in spite of what I had done and what I had been, there was my father. And today, because of the work of Jesus Christ, he who would have been rightfully mad at us. Listen, I was once outside his favor. I was once outside his promises. I was once outside his kingdom. I was once under his wrath and stood rightly deserving his judgment, but then came one named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who paid the price for my sins, and today my heavenly Father walks into my presence, and he says, Son, I'm not against you. Son, I'm for you. Son, I don't hate you son I love you in spite of you and because of the work of Jesus Christ today as Christians beloved we can live and we have peace with the eternal father and we ought to give the Lord Jesus Christ a great praise today if you experience the peace that's that shouldn't be ours but is because of the work of Jesus Christ therefore he says being justified by faith We have peace with God. God doesn't hold, listen to me, the responsibility for anyone in his house feeling bad or feeling like he's against them. He doesn't hold that responsibility any longer. If you feel that way, it's something in your life, in your heart today. Go to him and give it to him. Number two, we can live peacefully with God because of the work of Jesus Christ. But as Christians also, we attempt to live peacefully with the world. I believe that God expects us to do our best to live at peace with the world that's around us. Now, is that always possible? No. Is it always easy? Certainly not. I mean, sometimes it's just not going to happen. I mean, you can mind your own business and be doing the best you can, and the world's going to come against you, and it's going to be tough to live at peace with the world around you. But God expects us to try. I tell you, last uh, the week ago we were uh, on vacation together, my little family and I, down at Litchfield Beach. We always have one night where we ride from Litchfield up to the Myrtle, Bre- Myrtle Beach Mall. If you have any teenagers, in your house. That's just a must-do when you're at the beach. So we lit out on one night, heading up a little 17 bypass, that little four lane, not bothering anybody, just doing our thing. Pretty traffic going up through there. I look in my rearview mirror, and I see this deep blue Mercedes Benz flashing its lights at me, man. I mean traffic stacked up two by two. Uh, he's flashing his lights at me, telling me to, to get out of his way because he's got somewhere to be and something to do. I started to tell my wife, I said, Look at this guy. Look at this joker behind me. Where does he think he's going to go? She just squeezed my hand and said, Honey, breathe. We're on vacation. How I many okay, all here? Hey, we're down here to have a good time. So I just moved over in the in the slow lane as, as quickly as I could. He passed me and one other car before he stopped, and at the next red light, I passed him with great joy and delight. I I passed him saying, flash your lights at the next guy, dude. I mean, I'm going on up through there. My dear wife encouraging me just to live at peace with those around me. I exited 17 going to the mall. If you've ever done that, the airport is is straight and you have to kind of get off the exit and go down and then you have to cross one lane and get in another lane so that you can turn into the mall. I put my signal on well in advance and eased into that lane, and, and, and it started to ease over into the turning lane at the next red light. I look in my rearview mirrors, The lady must have been doing 80 miles an hour, bearing down on me, laying on her horn. I'm talking about laying on her horn. I eased on into the turning lane, and as she came by me, she waved at me, but she wasn't just waving. As I looked in the mirror, at her window, out my side, she was telling me, you're number one. How many ever had anybody tell you that? Yeah. I said, wow, where's she got to go, man? All I'm doing is turning into the mall, and, and here's some lady, boy, lady. I said, I hope. I started talking to the lady. My wife just squeezed my hand and said, honey, breathe. We're on vacation. Just be easy, man. It'll be all right. We get into the mall. We ate it at, at, at Chef Smitty's. I had one of the best cheeseburgers you ever had in your life. I was loving life and seeing good days. Turned the kids loose. Let them shop. Tammy and I started walking. We walked by one of those little sales booths. They had these pain management devices. The, the salesman said to me, Sir, have you got any aches or pains? I said, No, brother. I'm good. He said, You mean to tell me? I'm just walking. I, I try not to look them in the eye. How I many y'all know? Hey, I try my best not to even look at them. I'm walking on. So you mean to tell me nothing on your body hurts. I said, brother, we're all good. He said, well, if you had not got any aches and pains, come on over here and I'll give you a few. How many of y'all, hey, makes me want to buy everything he's got. What a sales technique. The dude wanted to fight with me in the mall right there. Come on over. We'll throw down. I'll give you a few aches and pains so you'll need my product. This time I squeezed my wife's hand. How many of y'all, hey, hey, and ran down the mall. Beloved, the last thing you want to do is get in a throw down with my wife at the mall. That boy would have found some kind of hurt he had never seen in his life. In that moment, I'm here to tell you. We're exhorted, aren't we, to live at peace with the world. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's downright impossible, but God says, listen, later on in this chapter, we'll read it. He says, let your moderation, let it be known unto all men. Let them see what kind of person you really are. Even when they're coming against you the worst. Listen, attempt through the strength of Jesus Christ to live peacefully with the world. Today I want to emphasize this thought to you. Yes, we live peacefully with God. Thank you, Jesus. And we should attempt to live peacefully with the world through the strength of Christ. But thirdly, folks, and I believe this is what he's saying to us loud and clear. We must live at peace with one another. Now, we have no choice, listen to me, in the house of the living God, but to live at peace with one another. There's never a time when it's okay for us to be in a dispute or in a a fight or in a disagreement. Paul says, no. Live at peace with one another. Today these verses exhort us to do that. You say, Pastor, how in the world are we going to do it? Well, his work definitely brought us peace with God. But, beloved, I believe his strength day to day brings us peace with one another. Paul says here, man, girls, Iodias and Syntyche, I've heard that there's a contention between you and I beseech you. That means this. I urgently plead with you. I strongly advise you. I urge you almost to the point of a Man to you to live at peace with one another. Be of the same mind, he says, in the Lord. Have the same mind means this. Think the same. Let it be done. Come to an agreement between you. Let it be gone and put it behind you. My youngest daughter used to have a saying when she was little. When we would get in a little contention, she would say, Dad, just build a bridge and get over it. How many of y'all ever heard? Hey, and that's what Paul is saying to these two sisters in Christ. Listen, I know what's going on. Interesting to me, he doesn't talk about what it is. Now, that's what we want to do. We want to talk about who started it. Well, who started that fight down there at the church house? That's what the world wants to know. Who started it? We want to know the substance of it. What's what's going on? What's what's really going on? Listen, I know there's trouble, but I want to know the core, the detail of what's going on. Man, we want to know uh, what what the start of it is, what the substance of it is. We want to know the scope of it. Boy, howdy, there's nothing better, I, I tell you, for the world than to see something big happen at the house of the Lord and see half of them go this way and half of them go that way. That's what the neighborhood wants is something in scope going on at the house of God. And we want to know, well, how big? of a deal, was it? Paul says, I don't care about any of that. All I want you to hear is, is listen, put a stop to what's going on between you right now at the house of God. Don't let it go on any longer. That's what he says. How serious was he about it? Man, he was very serious about it. God, through His Word and through the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying to His church today, His church right here, His church universal, listen, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what started it. I don't care what it's about, and I don't care how big it's gotten. Church, we need to come to the place to live at peace with one another. Put behind you that thing. Begin to work together. Begin to cooperate and begin to be of the same mind. How are we going to do that? Two times the phrase, in the Lord, is used in these verses. That means this. That means in His power... And in his person that means by way of the strength of christ. Just put it behind you There's going to be some disagreements in your life that you don't have the power to put behind you And what you're going to have to do is depend upon the strength of the lord jesus christ and say father I can't put this behind me But i'm counting on you in me and through me today to help me just get by it And get over it and start to work together for the glory of the king again Why? How? By the strength of Christ, but why? What's the big deal? Is it really that big a deal that we work together and live in harmony? Paul thought it was. You know how big a deal he thought it was? He called people by their name. Now, when you begin to call people out by their name, something's gotten big, hasn't it? It's very important when you begin to call people by their name. When my mother used to say, "Stacy Edward Harris, listen, I knew that she meant business in no way, shape, or form. Was she kidding when she called me by my name? And Paul is calling these two ladies by their name. Not only that, he's calling in help. He, he says to Epaphroditus, he says to Clement, he says to the others who are around, help these sisters, put this behind them so that they can move on and begin to cooperate together. In the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, church, we must be unified. Why? Why, why must we do this? three motivations I want to show you that push us toward living peacefully with one another, of being of the same mind. Number one, we need to do it for what I call the sake of the church. We need to live peacefully with one another for the sake of the church. Look at verse 1 with me in chapter 4. Look at the way that Paul describes the church. Look at how he views and couches the church. Man, to me, I'm going to tell you, the church is a valuable thing. To me, the gathering of the saints of God is a very precious thing. To me, the church of Jesus Christ is an irreplaceable thing. There's nothing out there to take our place should we fail. There's no organization out there to do what God has called us to do. We are very precious. This gathering of people is precious in the scope of eternity today. It means something that we're gathered just the way we are. Paul says of the church, he describes her in four ways. Number one, he calls, it, calls her brethren. That literally means this, of one father. That's its meaning. That means brothers and sisters. Man, I always call folks wherever I'm at, brother or sister, brother or sister. Somebody asked me one time, why do you call? Oh, everybody, brother or sister. I say, why? Because you are. If you're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're of one father. We're brothers and sisters of the same family today. This word was precious to Saul, no doubt. For when he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the Damascus road and there the glory of God blinded him and sent him on down to the street called straight and there he waited for a man to come. Ananias the Lord commissioned him to go lay his hands on Saul so that he might receive the Holy Spirit and begin his ministry it would have been well for Ananias to have been a little cold and standoffish but when he walked in if you go back to Acts chapter 9, the first two words out of his mouth were Brother Saul. And how good that must have sounded to Paul. And how good that ought to sound to us today. That we can call each other brother and sister. The word says, Paul in another place says, We are of one faith, one Lord, one baptism Children of of one father, he calls them brethren. Second, he calls them dearly beloved. In this text, he says that two times. That means, church, I love you. Not with an ordinary love, but one that plunges even deeper than this brotherhood we're talking about. And, And I wrote this thought down, oh, for a first century baptism of the love of God on the 21st century church. What would we do for a first century baptism of the love of God on the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th of the Lord Terry's Century Church today? Would to God that he would pour his love out on us without reserve today. I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm preaching to you about who you are, and I'm going to let you be who you are. You ought to turn to somebody on your left and somebody on your right and just audibly say to them today, brother or sister, I love you in the Lord. You ought to do that. Brother or sister, let me tell you, I love you in the Lord. I'm thankful for you. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're one father, dearly beloved to me. Are you? You ought to tell somebody that today. Amen. I challenge you not just to do it here. I challenge you to do it wherever you are. Man, if you see one another in the food line, you ought to run down the aisle meet each other and grab each other and embrace and say, Man, I love you. You want some people to think you're crazy, just shout, shout you love one another across the, across the drugstore counter one time or two. Man, you want to see at the gas station, just be hollering from one pump to the other. Hey, hey, listen, brother, I love you. Listen, I know that's out of your comfort zone sometimes, but, but man, once you do it, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing in the world like a genuine love of a brother or sister in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking with a fellow this week, he said, I got to tell you, First time I met you, I think I might have met you twice. And and when I left, you said, Brother, I love you. He said, I contemplated on that. I thought, Man, I don't know about that. But he said, After a little while, I went home and told my wife. He said, I think he really does. I think he really does love Church, I want you to know I love you. I care for you. Man, I want you to live together in peace. I want you to love one another and care for one another. We've got to have each other. And if you look at the news today, and you understand the way the world's going today, it's not too many days hence. We're all we're going to have is the brotherhood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, "Man, you are my dearly beloved." He says, "My longed for." That means this: an avid and an ardent desire to see each other. Man, I'm thankful for Adam and that crew that that went down to the beach last Sunday morning in this pulpit. I told you, I told them, Adam, I gazed in that door at all those kids standing around the outside with their parents and packed out in the vestibule and saw those buses and the luggage. and, And man, saw you struggling to try to communicate with them. And I turned around and walked out of that vestibule and I looked up to heaven and said, Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not called to go to the beach with all those kids this week. Thanks be unto God that you guys are. I'm thankful for what you do. My kids came back different, man. And if you're thankful for the student minister of this church, you ought to give the Lord a great praise <laughs> right where you are. For what the Lord does. In and through Adam and Sherry. And all those people, they don't do it by themselves. It takes a ton of people to make that happen. So I'm thankful for that. Man, you know, it was good to have the kids out of town for Mama and I. I'll get I'll just honest with you. And that's a good week when the kids are out of town. It's all good, man, I'm telling you. I tell you, about Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, man, something's missing. I tell you, by Friday evening, and pouring down rain under an umbrella, it was a joy to a daddy's heart to see his two girls walk over, get in that van. Listen, they wore out, they could have cared less, but I was happy. Why? Man, I long to see him. Hello. Paul from a, a jail cell says, Man, you, you don't know how much I just long to lay my eyes on you. Church, we ought to long to be in one another's presence. What would it be like on a Sunday morning when we got to this house if we just grabbed each other around the neck? said, Gosh, I've been waiting all week just to get here to be in your presence. Paul says, Man, I long for you lastly. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. He says, My joy and my crown, that's what he calls them. That's the victor's crown, emblematic of that always in the scripture of the words that he chooses here. That means you are the seal and the validation of my work. He's saying one of these days in Thessalonians, he couches it exactly this same way. One of these days I'm going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and it'll be you that have come out of my ministry. That'll be my joy and my crown. It'll be you that are birthed into the kingdom of God because what he has done in and through me. He says, church, my dearly loved brothers and sisters, the ones I long to see, those who are my joy and who make my life here and hereafter very significant. He says, stand fast together in the Lord. Don't let anything divide you. Don't let anything separate you. Church, we have no option but to live peacefully with one another. Disputings and disunity, you know what they do? They mar the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. That's what they do. When we allow the enemy into our midst, it mars that picture of the bride of Christ to the world. When we allow disunity to exist, it impugns our reputation in the world and the community. When we allow disputings and, and divisions to exist, listen, it weakens. The power of God that can flow in us and through us and thereby our impact in the world Paul says live together live at peace one another by the strength of Jesus Christ Why do it for the sake of the church herself? Beloved Listen for the sake of the church today We ought to decide to live at peace one another. Secondly, I want you to see this. He says, live at peace with one another for the sake of the cause. Look at verse 3a with me. I love what he says. He says, I entreat thee also. A different word than beseech. He turns to Epaphroditus and Clement and all the others and he says, listen, I'm asking you with great joy and I'm just asking you for a favor to come alongside these ladies and and help them get together. And look what he says. He calls them these women which labored with me In the gospel Your translation may say Who labored with me In the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ And that's well rendered there He's saying man we have fought together we have been in the battle together. These ladies labored side by side with one another, with you, Epaphroditus, with you, Clement, and with you, others, and even alongside me, we labored together there in Philippi to see God raise that church up out of the ground. We went through so many things. We've, we've shed blood, we've sweat, we've, we've shed tears, we've cried, we've suffered, we've rejoiced, and we've celebrated. We've, we've seen hardships, abuse, and sickness. We've planted a church and we've seen miracles, and we've seen men and women give their lives to the Lord. And he's saying, man, don't let all those campaigns, all those victories, all those things we've done together go by the wayside for any reason at all in your life. He's saying, man, live at peace with one another for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wrote this down. Those who've been in the heat together never really can be separated. When you've been through something with someone, it welds you together for life. It bonds you. I love the History Channel on TV. If you don't watch TV, that's a good place to watch. There was a series on there where they'd taken a lot of the old World War II films and, and colorized them, brought them to, to life for us to see. And Man, I began to watch through that and just interest me all the history and the battles and there was one uh, episode that dealt with Iwo Jima and uh, uh, all the conflict that took place there, and the, the men who, those Marines, who, who gave, their, gave their very life's blood just to, just to take that little island and that hill. And man, they chronicled all those things, and many of them in the field for, for days upon end without anything but a canteen to, to survive with there in the heat of the battle. Man, at the very end of the episode, they took two veterans that had fought together in the same division back to that place. Man, the place they were in didn't look like the place I saw. The place I saw in those videos was scorched and parched and beat all to smash, looked like a wasteland. They led them down this little old dusty road in the midst of some vegetation, and they got to the end of it at the foot of a hill. And those two men looked up that hill. They tried to talk to one another. and They couldn't. All they could do was cry. And those two strong men, men just like them that we owe so much in this country, all they could do was grab one another around the neck and weep. Why? Because they had been there together. And can you imagine anything in this universe breaking that bond that existed between those two men? And Paul is saying, beloved, we have fought together for the greatest cause in history. We've labored together. We've suffered loss together. We've been punished together. We've been stoned together. We've been beaten together. We've saw the hand of God move mightily and do miraculous things together. We've saw men and women give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ together. What is there in your life that can overcome our laboring together for the cause of Jesus Christ? In church, as we look back over our history together, let me tell you, we didn't get here by accident. And we didn't get where we are today without the sacrifice of a whole lot of people. Listen, you set where you are this morning. Yes, in a good place. God's doing great and mighty things in our midst. As I look out in front of us, I'm going to tell you the possibilities that are there for this church would blow your mind. The things that God could do tomorrow if we band together and live together peacefully and labor together for the cause of Jesus Christ. Listen, they go beyond your wildest imaginations, what God has planned to do in this body. But today, if you take a look back, all those things are. Are there today because some people decided to live peacefully with one another and begin to labor together not for themselves, but for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many in this house together who can go back through times they've been together. Hard times, good times, miraculous times, down times, up times, wonderful times uh, that we've labored together for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I would ask you, what is there in this world today that's worth being divided that since we've Come this far under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do it today. Do it. Live peacefully together. Do it for the sake of the church of Jesus Christ. And do it for the sake of the gospel that we've labored together to promote. Thirdly, and in closing, I want you to to hear this thought. He says, live in peace also for the sake of the Christ. Look at verse 3B with me. If you're not careful, you'll read over this last phrase. Look what it says. It says, and all my other fellow laborers. And look at those last few words. Whose names are in the book of life. How many of y'all have your name? Man. Written in the book of life. You know, we're certain that this is the, the Lamb's book. Aren't we? life that's what it's called I'm glad today that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life you know how it got there it didn't get there by my effort it didn't get there because I'm some extra special person it got there because of the life the death The burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how it got there. You know how your name got there today? It got there because of Jesus Christ and His work. There's a little village in France, they tell me. Never been there. The name of it is is Doremi. There's a book, it's dated in 1429. It's a, it's a book of all the taxes paid from all the cities in France to the government of France. And if you pull that 1429 volume out and read it and go to the, the city of do it tells all the taxes that every city was required to pay in 1429. If you go to do it'll say that's beside it in that tax book. It'll say taxes forgiven now and forever because of the work of the maid. You know who the maid is? A lady named Joan of Arc, who was born in that little city, and who was solely responsible for the repelling of the English when they decided to invade France and. The, And the government said, because of the work of me, that little city never pay taxes, tribute to us again. They're forgiven. Well, if you pick up the Lamb's Book of Life today and you go to the entry under Stacy Edward Harris lived five twenty five Leaf Lane in Fairview, North Carolina, it'll say. All his sins are forgiven now and throughout all eternity because of the work of Jesus. Yeah. Now, church, if there's anything that ought to unite us, cause us to live in peace. It ought to be that we do it for the sake of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are today. Do you live in peace with God today? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say in spite of how miserably I've failed during the day and in spite of what I've done that I can lay my head on my pillow at night knowing that God isn't mad at me that his wrath isn't kindled against me man what a joy if you've not it's very easy to have this peace in your life the Bible says whosoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. It is that easy today. Christ died for you in your place. He paid the penalty for your sin. All you need to do is place your faith in Him today. And He will forgive you to the uttermost. Not only that, He'll come and take up residence in your life. And this strength of Jesus Christ that we're talking about will live in. And through you and make you able to be and do the things that he's called you to be. Do you have peace with God today? Do you live at peace with one another in the house of God? There may be somebody here today that the Lord has said to you, listen. It is time for you to get over that. It is time for you to put that behind you. Don't you hold that grudge one more minute in your life. You know what the enemy would have you do? He'd have you cling to it. He'd have you store it right in the back of your mind so that any hands turned something went wrong, you'd be ready and willing to jerk it right out and put it right back in front of you and everybody else again. And today maybe the Lord has spoken to your heart and said, Listen, today is the day that I'm telling you. Just like I'm calling you by name. If the Holy Ghost is calling you out by name, and maybe He's telling you today is your day, not somebody else's. It has nothing to do with what the other people do. He's saying, listen, you're responsible in this. Put it behind you. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.